0: Fellow pawn of the vast chess game of ignominious fate. How is the ball bouncing tonight? Are your knees properly loose? Uh, are the scabs still hurting, friend? <laughs> uh, it's a hard, long, rocky row we hoe. That is, when we hoe. And, uh, I have been debating uh, both the pros and cons of whether or not to tell... After all, it is Thursday night, and it's a a drismy Thursday night. There's a certain um, talon-like grip to the air. This is an evening that has yellow fangs, just sits out there, crouched... Uh, waiting for a false move, and I have been debating. Of course, I was reminded of it. There's no question about it. I I was going along Broadway about an hour and a half ago, and there was a wind howling down 42nd Street that reminded me of some of the more desolate days in the Army. And I I was immediately reminded whether or not, pro and con, whether I should tell an Army story tonight, the chicanery that is rampant, the suffering that <laughs> is like a gigantic caterpillar, inexorable, like a, Greek, like a Greek tragedy, it closes in on you? Or should I tell a story of amateur radio tonight? Which should I tell? Or should I tell both? Uh, no, no, no. Be careful now. There's, there's those two halves of man. No question about it. There's, there's the good and there's the evil. And they are warring consistently and constantly. There's a steady wrestling match that goes on just to the left of your spleen, just below your pancreas, that never stops. Even as you lie there conked out in the sack asleep, the fistfight goes on. There's steady infighting. A good, of course, always plays by the rules. Evil, on the other hand, has a tendency to use ugly karate blows in the dark like that and invariably evil wins out. In fact, a couple of nights ago, a G.I., for those of you who are ever in the army, I'd like to point out very quickly, the army has not changed. You know, one of the reasons why army stories have a certain universality is because there are very few things in life. There's gravity, maybe. There's the moon. There's the ocean. There are maybe lions. These are unchanging. These things stay the way they are always. And one you must add to this list is the army. If you've ever read stories of, a, of, the, of pre-Christianity accounts of the army, there were guys who were griping as they were trying to cross the Hellespont with their packs on their back. Uh, there, there, there must have been there must have been guys in, in Hannibal's army, Hannibal crossing the Alps, those elephants. I could just see uh, three or four T-5s of the period dragging along back after those whole, that, that long train of elephants. And one guy says, oh, this idiot, as elephants. What a showboat. And I haven't had a three-day pass in a fortnight. In a month, in a year, this guy with his elephants. Whitey Alps. That's the way it always has been. And a GI sent me a, a, a GI paper. From overseas, a very recent addition. In fact, it was around Christmas time, and what a gas of a story! Exactly. And by the way, I wonder why they don't do TV shows like this. You know, these shows where they always show, uh, uh, you know, the shows about the army and the navy, and uh, what's his name, McHale's Navy. Everything is fun, and uh, oh, there's kind of a there's a kind of a joie de vivre about it all. Rip, it's kind of fun to be killed in combat. Uh, Have you seen that? that uh, strip it's more like a comic strip but it's kind of fun to be killed in combat on TV so clean and nice somebody said that uh, not too long ago they passed a a bulletin around in all the TV studios that produce these shows that anybody who gets killed who's on the good guy side he gets killed cleanly quickly and there's no groaning Uh, no blood shows on anybody who's on our side when they get killed it's only on the other side that blood soaks through the bandages but listen to this story. It's from Germany. Baumholder. Uh, I think we ought to bring in a little army-type music. Come on, Skip. Belt it one there for one moment. There we go, gang. Lift them up. Pull your gut in. God's sakes, Surrey. There's going to be a medical inspection immediately following this formation. The dock will be around. The uh, The equipment will be helmet liner, GI raincoat, and shoes. Get ready. Here we go palm holder the captain swipes a christmas tree and by the way the title of the article is gi's blame low morale on captain that's the top lead story the captains uh, i'd like to meet this captain listen to him the captain swipes a christmas tree He mounts an expedition into the boonies and illegally hacks the tree down. And when Captain Samuel Miller gets back to C-Battery, 5th Battalion, 63rd Artillery, after taking his prize home, he openly brags about how he beats the law. This brings a round of Bronx cheers from his cannoneers. Sam is hard-nosed as all get out. An NCO complained. He's been making life miserable for us because he wants us to play it by the book, but when he pulls illegal deals himself, he laughs in front of the whole company. It sounds like Queeg at work. Morale in C Battery is at an all time low, harassed GIs told the reporter. Here's why. One, the captain chewed out his exec in front of his men and publicly fired him. Two, He promoted his personal Jeep driver, Philip Patterson, to speedy four under suspicious circumstances that had guys hollering favoritism and other things. Three, he ordered off-post NCOs to move into the billets on the heels of a shape-up campaign, allegedly threatened to... We cannot even repeat this one, children. There are women and children. (laughs) He allegedly threatened to nail somebody's you-know-what to... Well, it's a religious symbol. I can't. Anyway, he threatened to do this publicly if the guys complained about what he was doing or griping. And then he finally says he's going to take $2 a month out of their paychecks to make sure guys got haircuts once a month. Well, this reminds me of the, of the, uh, the awful, the awful, so the only time i being in the army uh, and, and seeing an actual, almost an actual mutiny. Uh, most of us, as we live in our, our our civilian life, one thing about civilian life: we all know anger, we all know frustration, but it's 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 kind of a private thing. Uh, when a guy is humiliated in the sales department, it's personal. You know, it's not the whole sales department. Uh, when a guy is humiliated in the uh, in the mail room, it's just one guy. But in the army, it's like. 400,000 guys can get humiliated all at once <laughs> in one giant unit, and you could just feel this enormous wave, it's like, a, it's like a tidal wave of passion and anger that just rolls over the rocks. Well, I was in this outfit, Old Company K, and uh, we were going along, you know, we'd, all of us had been in the Army about a year. We had suffered the usual amounts of, of uh, stuff, you know, the stuff that, see uh, here, Private Hargrove suffers through. KP, by the way, is never a source of anger in the Army, contrary to civilian uh, misinformation. KP is just crud, you know, it's just work. Oh, boy. Oh, man. I, I, uh, <laughs> if there's any ex listening tonight, uh, uh, how can you ever explain to a non performer, a non XGI, the incredibly rotten, I don't know of a rottener feeling. Then they have to come in about nine o'clock at night, you know, you're sitting down at the PX and everybody's drinking three point two beer and eating Milky Way bars, you know, living it up. Boy, you know, life is rich and real down there at the PX and you're hollering and yelling. And about nine o'clock you got a split. At about nine o'clock you begin to get that buzzing in the head that that, that that sense of imminent boredom and just plain rottenness. It's like a glacier approaching. It's, it's some kind of a, a terrible thing which you cannot escape. About 9 o'clock, you've got to go back to the barracks. And you open up your footlocker. And out of your footlocker, you take your white towel. And you tie on the end of your bunk the towel just a big, you know, just tie it down there so that it hangs down in the aisle way there that runs down the middle of the barracks. That white towel means to the guy who's on CQ at 3.30 in the morning, when he looks down through the barracks, everybody's asleep, that the guy with the white towel on the bunk is the guy he's got to wake up with the flashlight in the eye. And at maybe 4 o'clock in the morning, you drag yourself out it's cold, the wind is blowing over the roof of the barracks, and you can hear the sound of the, uh, the, the stovepipe rattling just a little bit, and the windows are And off in the distance, you hear the muffled curses of the cooks. They have been up since 3, and they've been warming up. You can hear the muffled roar, the undertone, the rumble of the, of the mess sergeant. He's preparing. and just hear it. It's like tom-toms in the distance. You hear it way off down there at the end of the company street, and you've got to drag yourself out to go to KP. And you, you, walk up, you walk up the steps to the mess hall, and there's about six or seven other guys standing there, tired, white. There is nothing whiter than a KP at, at 4.30 in the morning standing in the yellow light bulb glare of the kitchen. Just white. It's like like old Farina. And you just sort of stand there. And you just feel circles and cuts and jagged lines under your eyes. And your eyeballs, by the way, consist of little ashes, little hot coals that revolve slowly counterclockwise in your head and bore their way into your brain. You stand there. Your tongue is thick. And it tastes like Lifebuoy soap. You stand there. Oh, yeah, but, you know, it's a whole, and you have, you have shaved. You see, you've got to shave before you go on KP. This is one of those, those, uh, you've had to shave before the hot water got hot. You shave with cold water, and there are strips of skin hanging down, Skip, hanging down over your KP, you know, just hanging down over your, over your fatigue jacket. And you stand there in that cold, ugly, yellow light bulb of a room, and you see the, the, the cooks, they're wearing their, their white coats, and you see them, they're bent over the stoves back then. You just hear this. Hey, you guys, give me two of up, KPs, quick! And 30 seconds later, you are plunged into what they call pots and pans or the China Clipper. You are now up to your neck in GI soap, hot water, and they're bringing the stuff in. They're bringing pan after pan after pan after pan. The pans are piled all the way to the ceiling. Great big 32-gallon cans filled with petrified oatmeal. And you've got to dig it out. Hey, hurry up! I need a pot! What's the matter with you, Jack? Oh, it goes on hour after hour. So KP is not, it's not a funny matter. and It's not a thing you you joke about. You don't joke. You don't get mad at it either. You accept it. You accept it like you accept Monday in your life. You accept it like you accept uh, uh, a cold that just comes, you go through with it, you know, there's nothing you can do about it. So don't think of KP. Well, here we are in Company K, see, the whole crowd. And we liked our officer. That's the worst part of it. We liked our officer, but something nutty happened to him. I don't know what it is. Maybe he got past. Speaking of nutty, this is WORAM at FM, New York. Something happened to him along the way, Skip. He developed a bad tooth. I don't know what it was. was, You almost see him changing. And he was kind of a a thin, watery looking man. And he had very sharp, nicely pressed clothes all the time. I imagine he slept in pressed GI underwear, you know. Everything was pressed about always always cleaned his he had little bars that sparkled, you know. You I think they had batteries attached to him you know, in his pockets, they shined in the dark, they were always sparkling in his eyes, he had glasses and they were sparkling. And, and I don't know what happened to him. Maybe, maybe he heard that Company K had gotten a bad efficiency report. You know, nothing is worse than it having come drifting down from headquarters. Oh, what a stinking outfit. Get on the stick, Mac. Well, he began to develop this, this strange thing of standing in front of our company and just looking at us. He would call us to attention and just look. Walk back and forth and look. It was very unnerving, you know. It's like, it's like uh, for years, you know, your boss or something, and all of a sudden the boss is just looking at you as you walk past him in the hall. He just looks at you. He, his eyes follow you. You say, ha, <laughs> ha, hi, Mr. Bullard. <laughs> he says nothing. He says, oh, oh, Bullard, how are you, Bullard? I'm on <laughs> the water cooler. <clears throat> you like a Coke? <laughs> oh, okay. Wouldn't that be an awful feeling? He just looks at you with cold blue eyes. No expression. No anger. Just looked. Well, you could hear all of Company K standing at attention. 200 of us. Our guts pulled in. Sharp, pressed. Our buckles shined. Our elbows clean. Our breath coming in short whistles. Standing there. Our hats all at the proper angle. And this guy's just walking around looking at us. just looking. Go 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Just look. Then all of a sudden, he would just nod to the first sergeant. Just, he he wouldn't even talk to us anymore, just nod. First sergeant, duck his head. And the first sergeant would say, Fall out! And we'd mill. Now, before this, we had always broken up real fast. You know, everybody would run and yell and holler. And it's like recess, you know, guys hitting each other and yelling off to the PX. Now there would be little knots of worried guys. So, you know, what's going on here? What What is he doing? What is... What is it? And everyone thought, somehow, it was me. You always feel this in the Army. Somehow, that boom is going to fall. It's got to hit. I'm going to get it in the back of the neck. It's got to happen. And so Gasser said, ah, you know, he's an officer. He's an officer. No, no, he wasn't. He was a man. He just kept looking at us, day after day. And then one day, we shipped. We figured, this is it. This is it. We're going overseas and we ride night after night in the train we finally get to this next camp and we put put our stuff in the barracks get everything all packed away everything is sharp and clean and he calls a company formation and he stood and looked at us not saying a word just walked around and looked at us now we're under new and alien skies there is a an unfamiliar battalion across the road from us there is an unfamiliar company down the company street from us, and they're looking. This is a new, you know, it's like somebody new has moved in the, in the neighborhood. You all live in the neighborhood where if somebody new moves in, everyone's curious about them. This is the way it is in the Army. A new company moves in. A new battalion comes in, and everyone's curious. They look down there, you know, and they see this funny equipment, you know, crazy-looking tanks they come in with. Or the guys have got goofy-looking patches, some kind of a nutty thing about them. Saying, "Well, what kind of an outfit is that?" Wow. Well, the rumor began to circulate around this part of the camp that we were a detentionary company that was on special probation because it was a bunch of hard apples. Now, I don't know how this started, I don't know how this began, but you know they have those companies in the army where all the tough guys, when they're finally dragged out of the, dragged out of the, out of the pokey, when they're dragged out of the slam after they've done their six months for killing a first sergeant or stealing a truck or, or uh, shooting a captain or something like that, they have these companies where they put these guys back in. They just put them all in one special company and they have a couple of sluggers. Who, are, who is their officers. Well, the rumor got out, and they, they were watching us. I remember in those, oh, you could see the guys looking out of the barracks, and we're standing at attention, and there is a light snow drifting down. Just a slow, easy, soft, Robert Frost kind of snow, you know, just drifting down. It's not very cold. It's a beautiful day. And I could see the guy ahead of me, his hat at the proper angle, his coat all sharp and pressed, with the snow just drifting down onto his shoulders and we're all standing watching waiting it's the new area and I could see a couple of guys across the company street and the other battalion the 3174th. they're looking out of the barracks What the devil's with that company out there silence in the street nobody's saying a word what's with the company we wish we knew just standing and the captain finally just gives the nod to the first sergeant. The first sergeant says, All right, you guys, Dan fall out. And he stands and looks at us without a single. Our old ex friend just looks and stands. Well, that night there was a notice appeared on the bulletin board that there would be no leaves for three weeks. We were detained. And we were to be kept in the company area for... Do you know what it's like to be in the company area for three weeks, friend? That's like if somebody came to you and said, you are going to be locked in the john for the next six months. You ain't getting out. You're just going to stand in there. <laughs> That's it. And all your reading matter is going to be supplied by the Scott Tissue Company. Nothing else. That's it, man. The only thing you'll have to read is maybe the uh, maybe some men in shave labels. Maybe you can once in a while <laughs> look out of the window. That is it. Well boy, you talk about stir crazy. We'd sit in the barracks night after night. We'd go down to the pool table in the day room, you know, there's no 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 there was no pool balls. All we had were two cues and a pool table. I will tell you, guys would take rolled up pieces of paper and play pool with it, you know, that kind of stuff. We had one ping pong paddle. One. You ever tried to play a game with one ping-pong paddle? Guys are hitting it with their hand. The other guy's got the paddle, you know. He's using it left-handed. He's right-handed. We had all kinds of... It worked out all kinds of schemes to handicap, you know. They played craps. We had one, we had one dice. You know, that kind of thing. No money, of course. We'd been red-lined for about four months. No money. Just walked around. Well, the other companies were watching us. And they, they sort of stayed away. You know, it's like when the rumor gets out that somebody in the neighborhood's got leprosy, you don't come around. Believe me, sin is catching. Crime is catching. Poverty is catching. Bad company officers are catching. Rottenness is catching. So you don't do it. You don't come around, you know. And guys would make a big berth right around our company. You see them. They'd look, walking around, looking. Remember, we can't get out of the company area. We can't even go to the PX. You know what that means? No Milky Ways. Nothing. No milk, nothing. You just sit there (laughs) night after night, you know, on your bunk. And fist fights would break out. Somebody just get up and say, Oh yeah! Nothing's been said. He goes down and hits a guy in the mouth. Guy gets up and everybody applauds, you know. It's the first action in months, you know. Big fist fight going on, and then, then the PA system would open, you'd hear, Cut it out, you guys and then we'd subside for a minute. We'd sit there. And somebody somebody would invariably answer the PA we had a two way PA system, you know, it's an intercom system, and you'd hear somebody go, the sound of the eternal chicken, which uh, is a kind of an eternal sound in the RVC. <laughs> Does not refer to eggs, friends. <coughs> then you'd hear a silence, and then <coughs> it would come on. Say, Who done that? Silence from all five barracks. Our entire company now is subsiding. It's like a turtle pulling its head in. And then from, from barracks three down here, you hear way in the distance. <coughs> <coughs> all right, you guys. I'm coming down here," was the first sergeant. And then you'd hear him walking along the duck boards. Clunk, 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 clunk. He'd stop and he'd look in. He'd just glare. Smart guy! Boom. He'd slam the door to the next one. Well, we sat. We sat. One week went by. Do you know the terrible torture of watching the entire camp going on a weekend leave? You could see them going past, you know, the guys are all dressed up and they got their dop kits with their shaving kits and yelling and hollering and when you see the buses going and us with red rimmed eyes are just staring out at the gray sky and the snow is drifting down. Company K had bought it. Company K was getting it you know where and you know what it was getting and we just sit there and watch. And, and I remember the big thing, the big thing of the week was the time we had eggs. We had eggs for breakfast one day. That, that became a tremendous, exciting thing. We rushed down there Sunday, they had eggs for us. Everybody eats eggs like mad and goes back and sits again, watches. How would you like the most exciting thing to happen to you in three weeks was to decide finally, at long last, after two years in the Army, you're going to do this. You go to the. The only way you could get out of the company area was to go to chapel. Holy smokes. (laughs) You you never saw so many guys all of a sudden get religion. I mean, just to get away from those crummy barracks, you know, and everybody's sitting down there and we're we're all of a sudden in chapel and they had a rule down there that if you were on, if your company was under, under company detention, you had to go with one of the NCOs to make sure you came back in a body. So here, can you imagine sitting in chapel and sitting behind you is the staff sergeant with his arms crossed, just watching? Nobody's going to make a break, boy. There's not going to be any ad-libbing in the hymns down there, you know, this stuff. And so, so we're all sitting there. And the only sound that we'd make was something like, Bring it in the sheaves, bring it in the sheaves. We sit in the snow, keeps drifting down. And the chaplain gets up there, and he, he, he gives a brief prayer. And then his, his his sermon would always be something like, Making the Best of a Difficult Life. They always had that sermon in the army to realize that you are doing a great thing for humanity and I want all of you to go back to your company area men I want all of you to look deep down inside of yourselves realize the great opportunity you have for not only serving your creator but you are also serving the people of this blessed United States and all of us are saying yeah and that nut Captain Cherry that nut too don't forget him chaplain don't forget him. And, and one after the other, we'd go in always immediately after chapel and apply for our TS slip. Well, uh, <laughs> you don't know what that means. Well, that that means going to the chaplain and telling him your troubles. And the chaplain would just sort of smile at you like a bowl of jello. He'd just sit there. You know, he was a captain. He had it made, you know. He'd sit there. as a, and, and always with him, there were two chaplain assistants. They smiled like small bowls of jello. And they had all three of them sit there, and in the background someone would be practicing on the on the wind-driven organ. And he said, well, now, son, just tell me what the trouble is. I said, well, I can't get out of the area. I don't know what it is. I'm sitting down in the barracks. I'm getting fed up with a chaplain. Said, well, the ways of God and the army are sometimes difficult to understand, son. Yeah, I know. You represent God. Cherry represents the army. Both of you are sitting there, you know, with that smile on your face. And you go back out into that cold company area with the snow drifting down (laughs) gradually. Well, one other week goes by. See, now it's two weeks and the guys are really getting out of there. Oh, boy. Talk about stir crazy. It's Monday. Now it's Tuesday. Day after day is dragging by like some ancient animal with three legs. It's now Wednesday. Now it's Thursday, and everyone is wondering, you know, are we going to at last... This is, this is inhuman. This treatment is... It, it goes beyond cruelty. It becomes nuttiness at this point. And sure enough, late Thursday night, after a 25-mile forced hike in the snow, 25 miles we came back. We are now gaunt. Our ribs are sticking out through our fatigues. Our battle jackets are crusted with frost. Our eyes are glazed and angry. And our fangs are long. And up ahead of us is the captain marching. We're coming back. Have you ever marched behind a nut? He's, he's, bobbing up and down ahead of you there and his little tin hats going up and down. All your little tin hats are going up and down. The wind is blowing through your ears and you feel the rifle bobbing up and down on your back and your canteen and your mess kit and your gas mask is slapping you. And up ahead is that, that, that fantastically hateful head. It's just, it looks like some kind of a bug or something. It's just going up and down. Everybody's just looking at him. And he's up there. Come on, man, let's go. Let's, let's show him we the best damn outfit in the whole outfit. Let's Double time in the camp. Double time into camp after twenty five miles. That means run. In case you don't know what it means, that means putting out a big show. The last minute you run, see? So we go up. Huh, 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 huh. We're gasping. And everybody watches as we go galloping past. Company K is back from its bivouac. We come trotting past those silent barracks, and we can see these are the happy companies. You see, Company M, Company N, the 3175th—all the happy outfits. The guys that looked clean-shaven, that were kind of fat, you know—they had—they <laughs> had clean uniforms. All the rest of us had high cheekbones. This crowd, high cheekbones with red-rimmed eyes. We come trotting past, and we get out in front of the company area. He stops us. He says, "Ah, oh, you guys, Eddie's, Eddie's!" Shut up, gas ratties. We stand. First sergeant hollers, hurt And everything rattles. You hear the guns rattle. The snow is drifting down. 227 guys standing at attention. And then a slow smile comes over the captain's face. Then I have an announcement to make. Anybody that wants a weekend pass starting 12 noon Saturday, apply down to the orderly room after retreat. Anybody wants a pass, apply to the orderly room. Any questions? We just don't want to breathe. You just don't want to break the magic spell. We're getting out. We're getting out this weekend. Oh. Boy, holy smokes! And the wind is blowing, and the snow is drifting down, and the clouds are gray. We're hungry. We've been eating K rations for two days. We've been drinking chlorinated water out of our canteens. We can smell. The, we can smell the mess hall down there. It's cooking up as a big batch of SOS. You know, we can smell it down there. Everybody's getting all excited. Oh man! Don't say anything. Don't goof off, guys. Stand still. Shh. Any questions? Silence. All right, dismissed. Boom, we go. You hear the guys just like a gigantic explosion. They run into the barracks yelling and hollering. You sit down on a bunch, you know, and guys are taken. And all of a sudden, we love them. We love this nut. We love this insane nut. You know, this is, by the way, one of the secrets of the true tyrant. Give them nothing for a 100 years, and then you give them one small lump of sugar, and they'll lick your boots for 10 million miles. Believe me. Well, we love this. Oh, he was just kidding for three weeks. Let me tell you, boy. Boy, he sure shaped us up, didn't he, Mac? yeah, wow. Well, everybody is just a fantastic moment of joy. Just wonderful outflowing of it all, you know. And so we stand out there tall and straight for retreat. Everybody's in his Class A uniform. For the first time, you really feel great. I just feel you're, you're 17 feet tall. And they give us the thing and the flag goes up and everybody salutes and the cannon booms and we all split. We're sitting down in the mess hall now eating the old S.O.S. and the bread and drinking the coffee and yelling and hollering. And the guys are eating the jello. Boy, it's like, it's, you know, it's like all Funsville again. And you should have seen the crowd. They pour out. They eat in about 30 seconds. and They're all lined up in front of the orderly room now, applying for the pass. The whole company, to a man, is out there in front. Each one of us, we arrive up at the desk and says, uh, give your name, rank, and serial number, Mac. All right, Shepherd J.P. Corporal one six zero nine eight nine four six. All right, pass. Okay, put you down here. That's one four six. Yeah, right. Okay, T five. Right, right. One after the other. We go down the line. Every last guy. Well, it was like sleeping before Christmas. You wouldn't believe it. It was like Christmas time. You know. And everyone is all excited. Friday just goes by on wings of song. You know, you're knee-deep in the grease pit, and you're singing you're singing Noel. You know, you're singing uh, happy birthday songs. Knee-deep in crud, and boy, it's all wild and great. Saturday morning, dawns bright and clear, and the captain is having a barracks inspection. Now, I don't know whether you know anything about this, but a barrack, can you imagine a guy coming into your pad every Saturday morning, a maniacal nut, and he's got another guy with him that carries white gloves. And, and can you imagine somebody, seriously, coming into your pad and looking under the daybed to see whether there's any grubbles, you know, any, any dust? He goes under the radio with his white gloves to see whether there's anything there. Well, everybody is just standing at attention by the bunks, you know. The guts pulled in and the captain sweeps down the middle of the barracks like like Genghis Khan, you know. And behind him is his first sergeant and the exec. And they walk down the barracks, they're all dressed to the nines, they're class A uniforms, we got ours on, and they just walk right down, they're looking at each man, looking them right in the eye. Serial number, rank, he knew us, he knew us all very well. Now suddenly he's becoming very GI. He says, Give me the sixth general order, Smack. And the guys bang it out. Boom. Walk by post in an orderly manner. Boom. Susan Manner. Boom. Boom. Boy, they're really yo, very sharp, yeah. That's boom. To know the password. Boom, bang, sock. You know, 160985. Oh, uh, give me your let me see your piece there. Down comes the rifle. All right, Mac. Snap a tube. He holds it up to the light clean as a whistle. His eyes are blinded from the fantastic gleam of that that old one, you know, that barrel he holds it up there. He says, All right, Mac. Boom. He slaps it in your gut. Bang, sock. All right, at ease, man. No demerits in this barracks. Congratulations. Ooh fantastic exhalation, you know. He goes in the next one. You hear the silence next door then. Everybody's all relieved, you know, in our barracks. You hear the silence then. You hear the clump, clump, clump. You hear the little muffled talk. And then finally the screen door slams in the back. No demerits in barracks two, Sergeant. Oh! Because we're all in this together, you know. We know that if barracks three louses up, we're dead just as much as if we did. We know it. Finally he gets down to barracks five and we are in the clear. What a moment. What a moment. It's now 12 noon. In 15 minutes, our passes become set. Suddenly, that little thing in the corner, that idiot box, that squawk thing goes off. This is a first sergeant. Before you fall out, the captain wants you to all fall out in your overcoats. Fall out in your overcoats, class A uniforms, fall out in a company street in five minutes on the double. Fall out. You can pick up your pass after the formation, men's. Gunk. It's what's up, what's up? There's that sick feeling. What is it, what is it, what's up, what's up, what's up? Oh, well, he just wants to see whether we brushed our hair, you know. <laughs> Everybody's putting on his coat. The big, you know, the big overcoat that they wear in the Army. Everyone's putting on his coat, and the snow is drifting down. It's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful day. Everybody's, you know, he's got his eye on the big town. He's thinking of chicks, he's thinking of the USO, you know, all the big stuff. He can hardly wait. And we all fall out. One after the other, the guys begin to gather. Sure enough, two, three, four minutes. Now the entire company is out there. And other guys, we can see them across in the other barracks. They're already leaving. They got their dop kits. We don't care, you know. We're going. All dressed up. And then the whistle. attention! And we stand at attention. Now, remember, we are all dressed up now, like in the movies. This is the first time, all dressed with our sharp new hats on, you know, and our OD shirts and our ties, our uniforms, our buttons. And we are all wearing our overcoats. And we're waiting to see what's going to happen. The captain walks out of the orderly room. He's dressed magnificently. Have you ever seen an officer in full flower? Well... Let me tell you this. When you're a GI, officer's clothes look like it's made out of gold and silver. Their pants even look different. You know what I mean. Everything looks different. And they're standing out there. See, he comes walking out in front of us and he looks at us. Just maybe about a minute and a half, he nods to the sergeant. The sergeant says, Attention! Come on, attention, man! With that, he reaches into his greatcoat pocket and he takes out a sliding rule, a metal one, you know, the kind that slides back in. Everybody's, what's the nut going to do? What's this? What is this? The snow is drifting down. And it's a cold day. The temperature has dropped maybe 20 degrees in the past 24 hours. It's now roughly, I would say, 18, maybe 15 degrees. Cold puffs. Of a, of a desolate wind are blowing across our faces, freshly shaved, ready to go out on the swingers town. He stands there quietly and then he pulls this little thing out a little bit, maybe an inch and a half, and he goes all the way down to the first platoon. What's this not up to? He goes to the first man in the first platoon and stands next to him and begins to measure the distance between the top of his patch on his coat and the seam. What is that not doing? What is this? And one by one he takes each guy and says, pass canceled. Pass canceled. We hear it. Pass canceled. The whole company takes one deep breath. There is a regulation that says your patch must measure one and a quarter inches exactly from the top of the patch to the seam of your coat. It is very difficult to measure that, friends, when you're sitting in the cold barracks trying to sew it on yourself. Not only that, it is open to interpretation. Do you measure it from the top of the seam or the bottom of the seam? Do you measure it from the top of the rim of the patch or the bottom? And the captain was making his own interpretation each time. 227 men and not a man had a one and a quarter inch hiatus between the patch and the seam with that he turned snapped his rule put it in his pocket got in his jeep and drove towards the BOQ the BOQ by the way is Oz that's the Emerald City that's where the rich guys live that's like the boss getting in his Cadillac and driving off to Park Avenue. Just stewing your own juice, fellas. You'll like the mail room. And we stood there. And turned. Went back to the barracks. And there wasn't a single sound. Not a sign. Guys had taken their ties off. There's a guy way down at the end starts shining his shoes. And we could see... Across the company street, the 3172nd, 3173rd, these guys can't believe their eyes. They cannot believe this. They have seen all kinds of chicanery in the army. They have seen insults beyond insults, but they can't believe it. And they're looking at us as though we are guilty obviously we deserve what we got and you know it's a funny thing by about four o'clock in the afternoon we were convinced that that was true we were convinced that once again we had loused up and by five o'clock already we were repenting and by six o'clock when we're sitting down there in the old mess hall eating the pork and beans we're sitting down there and we're beginning to yell at one another. How come we let this get by? Why didn't we think of this? No wonder he did it to us. I don't blame him. I don't blame him for feet of the way he does about us. I don't blame him. We never heard much else from him. Not much else from Captain Cherry. Tuesday of that week, he was transferred out. By Wednesday, we were all on a boat. We were going to some place I, even right now, hesitate to even attempt to describe to you. As far as I know, Captain Cherry went back to the camp, picked up another crowd, and began to put them through the right And probably someplace right now, Captain Cherry is looking down a long line of men. He's getting out of his slide. Just, bent. let's play it by the books. Let's play it all the way by the books. Stand up, you guys, Puppet liners, coats and shoes. All out in a company street. Tonight's inspection will also include tent pegs. You're not getting out of it that easy, friend. Miller High Life in Pop and Pour Cans. Distinctive Miller High Life in Pop and Pour Cans. Just pop and pour Miller High Life, the champagne of bottled beer. No opener needed. And inside every can, enjoy the hearty yet light goodness of Miller High Life. Brewed from a century-old recipe, only in Milwaukee. Miller High Life always gives you that perfect taste in beer every time. Always a bright, clear taste. Unequaled, unquestioned, unchanging. Now you can enjoy refreshing Miller High Life in Pop and Pour cans. Pop and Pour Miller High Life, always sparkling, flavorful, distinctive. Now in Pop and Pour cans. You know, speaking, I haven't, I haven't thought of uh, Saturday morning inspections in a long time. But one of the, one of the absolutely great moments that I've ever seen in a Saturday morning inspection. Came when an officer, he's walking along the barracks with all of us standing there at attention with our gut pulled in. We can't even breathe, you know, trying to keep everything under control. The officer is walking right down the middle of the barracks, very cool, calm, not, not a sign of an emotion about him. When suddenly, about three quarters of the way down through the barracks, he stops, does a left face, walks between two bunks, and kicks a guy's barrack bag. He just goes pow, he kicks it like a football, and you hear something go crunch, and it begins to drip, it begins to drip, and you can smell old Hennessy, it's just like, like, like the unflowering of a great garden, old Hennessy, doesn't say a word, he just walks right on out, and we know we ain't getting out for another week, nobody says a word. Oh,